Hi, this is the Acquire Podcast from the Odd Phonic Podcast Network, and I'm Jenny Wright. Alright, so occasionally I like to do this, and this is going to be one of those episodes. We have Jason Wheeler back. He is a niche marketing specialist. He's also the editor and producer of this podcast. And Jason, I'm just glad you're back. Thanks for having me for the second time. And not the last. Do I get a jacket? No, right now you get a sticker. Oh, Jackets come later. You haven't hit the 10 episode milestone. 10. Great. Um, maybe 10 episodes, you'll get a mug. Oh, okay. Jacket at what, 50 episodes maybe? Oh. Uh, longevity. No. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I have to talk to you about this because it, I became obsessed and it's a guilty pleasure. But have you watched? I know you have. But what did you think of Squid Games? The Netflix challenge of Squid Games. I'm just glad I didn't watch the original one because <laughs> I think it would have ruined this. And the reason I'm bringing it up is, is not because I want to talk about TV shows necessarily, but the marketing behind it was something that really interested me. And I then I got completely hooked on this show. It doesn't take much. And um, binged all five episodes in under 24 hours. Hours. I remember when people were talking about this show and I felt like there was a whole group of people in society that like snuff films and I didn't appreciate that. So I didn't watch the original one, Okay. but there was a lot of people that said, you know, if they ever had like an actual squid game, like the same kind of thing, but without the killing, I do it. I play those games and I guess they were listening because they did it. And then a sucker like me ends up watching it. Mm. And there's a lot of money involved. And it was, in like in various aspects, it was cringeworthy. Many times I was like, eh. And then other times I was like, this is really great marketing. And then on the other side of it, I was like, okay, this is just pure enjoyment. But why? Why was it enjoying? You know what? It was, it, it wasn't completely dumb. There was like strategy in it. Strategy was really great, actually, because you were vying for um, position you want to survive till the end to make the what is it 4.536 million dollars or something like that and that just made my it was just playing into a certain part of my brain where I love the strategy piece and it and it sort of delighted the marketing side of things too I don't know why well there's a lot of people I guess the competitors and people that were watching they sort of assumed that they knew what games were going to be played mm. And I'm just glad I never saw the original because I had no idea what the games were going to be like. I had some ideas when it came to that first game. Um, I don't know what it's actually called, but there's a doll involved, light, green and light. it just Red freaks light, me out. Of, it freaks me out a little bit. Yes. But I think it was more suspenseful by not seeing the original. Mm. But what I I guess I had the luxury of noticing is where things seemed a little bit contrived, which I found. There was very little except for the way they were sort of like focusing in on a few people. But I found that there was a lot of authenticity in the way some of these people were coming off. Even though some of those people, after they were outed from the show, claimed that that's not how they really are. But <laughs> I honestly believe that's how they really are because there's some real jerks in that show. Completely. But I think I think overall it was it was pretty authentic, like the people that were competing in it. And it's interesting. What got me, because you just sort of alluded to it, was not knowing what game was coming next. And the people on the show were sort of positioning and propping themselves up, being like, oh, yeah, the next one's going to be tug of war. And, and, you know, let me get me and my buds. And, all, and I don't want to, you know. Don't ruin it for anybody. Not going to ruin it. But it was there was a lot of posturing happening. Yeah, but there were some people that cracked, too. And there was some, oh, my God, was there ever some people that cracked. So you're seeing all these different dichotomies of people and yeah there's some authentic people that are just like losing their minds in there and you know when you're talking about authenticity obviously that term has been talked about over talked about potentially even um dragged through the mud a few times and beat what, over the head what year was it the buzzword 20 2019 or 2020 no i think it was i think it was earlier i think it was like 2015 Really? 2014, 2015. Oh, you're right. And it probably had a good three or four year span until people finally were like, oh, if you say authentic, you're not authentic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because now you're saying, you know, if you say you're an alpha, then you're not an alpha. 
Well, that's true. <laughs> I think so, too. That's the funny part. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, with authenticity in our, you know, in our marketing businesses and the way that we actually portray content, the way we email our lists, where do you think that's going to go? If authenticity is no longer the buzzword, what's going to be the buzzword? This is the funny part. Authenticity isn't the buzzword. It should be done, but not said. In other words, I think people have moved so far past it. Mm-hmm. People can recognize authenticity. They know it when they feel it, when they see it, when they hear it, they know it. If you're that person that has to tell them, hey, look here, this is authentic. I have a lot of authenticity. Then you're not doing your job right. Mm -hmm. I think if you understand having brand as a feeling, then authenticity has to come across in your branding without having to actually say it as your buzzword. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think if you don't talk about it, and, and one of the things that I really want to focus on myself in the next 12 to 18 months is brand recognition. Um, as we get even more diluted with a lot of people coming into the sort of the digital space, there's always dilution in what people are saying, right? So, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, if you wanted to run a summit, you didn't have to have a distinguishable brand. You didn't have to be niched in. You could throw up a really crappy looking summit, ask me how I know, and you could get three, four, 5,000 people to register, even if your page was completely ugly. And there was no there was no brand around it. There was no niche building. There was nothing about that. No, nope, I have to disagree a little bit. Really? You had to be You had to be niched in. You just didn't have as much competition online. Okay. Yes. I agree with you on... There wasn't a lot of competition, but I disagree that you had to be niched in. And you know why? Because back then, and, I, and I've, I've shared with this, this with you in the past, that people could just throw anything up, any topic, and it wasn't niched in. It was completely broad. You know, how to build a dream business. There's an example. And you would still get people to sign up. Yes, you could still get people to sign up. But niche isn't just about getting anybody to sign up by saying anything. Mm-hmm. You have your own capabilities, the thing, your product, your services, what you help people with. That's your niche, right? So if you go out and say something like, what was it you just said? Build your, build your dream business. Okay, build your dream business. And you're an accountant, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be attracting a whole lot of people that might not really need specifically what you're offering. So you still wanted to be niched in. And there were people that were niched in back then. Yeah. And they attracted the right people. There's a lot of people that didn't do the niching in in their marketing. And they did track, They did attract in a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But their real core people that would have bought off of them or they, they could service or sell products to were like needles in a haystack. They'd get a 50,000-person list. Lo and behold, there's only like 500 people in there that are actually their real ideal clients. I have to agree with you there. Okay. I have to completely agree with you there. And, and then the amount of unsubscribes and stuff like that that would come, which makes me think a little bit more about email marketing. And I wanted, I wanted to ask you, where do you think the trend is going to go with email marketing and like email lists and newsletters and such in the next 12 to 16 months? Do you think anything's going to take down, you know, email lists as like the king? Well, You'd be a better person to answer this question, but I'll give you my side of it, yeah. and then you can say your side of it. Until a social media app gives people the ability to directly contact their followers anytime they want, any way they want, I can't see it changing. Meaning, if that, there was an app that allowed you to direct, send like a mass... If you have a thousand followers on Instagram... And you are able to say, I want to send this particular post or this particular ad to all those thousand people. And I know for sure they're going to get it. Mm -hmm. Right? It'll be in some sort of Instagram inbox. And I know for sure they're going to see it. Mm -hmm. Then that's the only way you're going to be able to dethrone email lists. Okay. Email lists dethroned, to some extent, the door knocker and the person doing telemarketing over the phone and mail. Okay. Right? Because it's cheaper, it's more efficient, and it's direct. Right? And you can also, 
you can also measure results mm -hmm. on email marketing. You send it out, you know how many people opened it, you know how many of those people actually reacted or did something with it. You can actually follow it, right? Nothing else actually does that yet. Well, funny that you brought that up because in my DMs in Instagram, this keeps coming up and it's these broadcast channels that they introduced in Instagram in February of 2023. I personally have never joined one, but Instagram is touting it as a one-to-many. So you get a notification and it says, so-and-so wants you to join their broadcast channel. And if you join it, then the host of that broadcast channel can then send a message that goes to everybody in that channel to quote unquote, deepen their community and get in touch with them. So that is kind of a bit of a method, don't you think? But you have to opt in like you would on an opt-in page. You'd have to opt in, but here's a couple questions. That's good. It's really, really good. But I just don't think it's taken off yet. Maybe it's not taken off yet, but at the same time, I would find it, I would find it funny if people couldn't mute it, if they were able to create a non-response piece of data. In other words, yeah, you join somebody's broadcast and then you ignore it and the person doesn't know really what happened. Hmm. With an email, you know, if it went to a bad email address, you would get a, a notification, you would get a bounce, right? Yeah. If it was unopened, well, you know it's definitely unopened. If yeah. it's opened, you know it's open. If they click through something, you know, right? On this, you don't know. I don't know. And how are you going to pair Google Analytics with that? You can't. I don't know that either. No. I don't know if there is a way. I don't know. I don't know because, I haven't, like I said, I haven't joined one. But I don't know if I created one and had people enter it if I'd be able to look at metrics. I wasn't able to, to see that. But if there were metrics, that would be cool. The other thing that kind of gets me is considering Instagram's ad model and revenue model, how would they make money on doing this? I don't know that either. That's right. a really good question. So I guess it's just a bit of a mystery. So for now, I'm going to stay on the not getting to throne side <laughs> of email marketing. I also, okay, so my, my opinion on this is email marketing is never going to get dethroned. I think in our, in the next 20 to 30 years. Because unless something, like you said, unless something really drastically changes, it's not it's not going to change. I think there will always be email lists, and I think they will always be important. I think email marketing will get dethroned in a way. Mm. I think, I can't say that, I can't make a prediction that it's going to be okay in 10 years or 15 years. What I think is going to end up happening with all the problems with um, fraud, identities or anonymous identities in social media and the way social media is becoming accessible sometimes <laughs> on certain apps. I think that eventually people are going to crack down and they're going to come up with one online identity. They've been talking this, but this is a conversation that has been happening, having like one online identity and exactly. it's connected to everything. Exactly. And it's like one avatar. When that happens, that would be an opportunity for emails to be dethroned, but it'd only be a slightly different version of emails. Do you know how hard it would be to get one avatar for your entire online presence? Over no, it's all not a matter. It's not a matter of you getting one avatar for one online. It doesn't mean you have to have the same name on Instagram and on Facebook. No, but everything being connected, everybody would have to communicate. Everything's being, being connected, but mm. you could only register one profile on each different app, and that's it. Yeah, that's. And that would be it. That's a bridge too far, I think, for the platforms and also the people on that. Yes, them. I know, because the platforms like to have bots and a lot of these fake accounts and it makes their stats look sky high. But eventually, I think it's going to happen because, I mean, we've already got one app out there that has just turned to, I don't even know what I want to call it, right? Are, but, are you going to name set app? Um, yeah, it used to be called Twitter, but now there's an X where the bird died. Oh, that's so funny. Absolutely. That's where it's buried. It, yep. X marks the spot where exactly. Twitter died. Yeah, exactly. I I completely agree. I, first of all, I stopped actually participating and posting or even reading anything on Twitter a while ago, but more so even recently, I, I have no interest. Uh, I can't even 
morally want to participate or be on that platform. So yeah, I agree with you on that one. Is there anything that's going to, um, in your opinion, overtake or create more opportunity with organic leads in the next like 12 months or so? Organic leads. Yeah. No, I, I, I can't. Like, what do you think the top ways of will be to gain organic leads? Like right now it's social media posting with consistency. It's things like lead magnets and webinars and masterclasses and summits and all that kind of stuff. Do you see a new or a different way? I don't see the new ways in spite of like click funnels and other things coming out with thinking that like their 2.0 or their new methods or whatever are going to help you with that. I don't think um, fundamentally on a technical level, there's going to be a better way. It's going to have to be a lot of personal internal effort. In other words, I think people have to now become more advanced in the way they represent themselves online. They have to be more strategic. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that help people gain organic leads online. And there's a, a finite amount of attention everybody can, can give, mm -hmm. right? So you now have to be better at gaining that attention. And so many people are sick of shock and awe stuff and sticky taglines and you know, here, I fooled you into opening this email or, hey, look at this post that's shocking or whatever. You know, everybody's, we're, we're kind of past the viral stage, right? When it comes to business to business or business to consumers, because people get annoyed with that stuff, right? You're, you're, you're stealing attention and then you're not giving value in return. And I think the people that are going to up level and give value in their posts and what they're doing and be authentic without saying authentic, right? <laughs> yep. It, that's the kind of thing that's going to actually drive it up. And of course, I'm going to tell you being niched in because if you're able to put yourself out there and represent yourself accurately, the people that need you the most are going to find you because you are basically being a beacon for that specific thing that they need. You're not being vague, right? Yeah. If you're doing all of those things, you're going to get more organic leads for that people out there that want to do like all the different cutting corners and be vague and, and try and uh, get people under false pretenses or just get anybody, you know, that's, that stuff is a waste of energy, first of all, but it's not going to work. It's not going to be as effective. So next year, I think what's going to end up happening is the people that have got their stuff straight are going to do so much better as the people that are trying all the bad methods are going to fall backwards. The win's going to be created out of other people's losses. Mm. Yes. So there's this. What do you I, think? Well, I agree. I agree with what you're saying, and it's a, it's a. You're looking at it sort of like in a philosophical sort of way, and I love that. Yeah, because I'm that type of guy. I know, okay. and I'm, I'm more like the nuts and boltsy kind of person when it comes to the strategy, right? Okay. So this is where it's a good play, because. Your philosophy, I think, is right. What I see sort of in the minutiae happening is the consistent and constant refinement of things like the copywriting, this um, this pendulum swing. So, you know, just like when it was like, a, what was it, Clubhouse and all these different things that came on, there's like always a pendulum swing where everybody joins the thing and everybody does the thing. And then there's a pendulum swing back to nobody does the thing, and then the pendulum kind of like, you know, sort of finds middle ground, right? So with AI, everybody's like, everybody's using AI, and everybody's using it to write their copy, and, you know, everybody's getting the rocket ship emoji in their copy, which drives me nuts. You know it's freaking ChatGPT if you see that, or, or the, like, celebration symbol. And I think the pendulum, pendulum swung really hard with ChatGPT and AI, and it's now going to start to swing a little bit further back. So I anticipate that we're going to be looking for improvements in copy, page conversion rates, SEO, I think is going to be massive. I don't think anybody's taking advantage of it on mass to the level that they should, but some people are getting wise. And I think that they really, really should focus like on the really small details. And then I think that um, in terms of, gaining organic leads, it's still about community. It's about 
connection and community. Nobody's opening those Instagram or LinkedIn messages that are like, hey, want to join my thing or register today for my webinar. Nobody's doing that. What about production quality of video, your website, and events? Um, video quality, you and I are going to differ on this probably. Video quality, you can still get away with pretty like low-tech video editing, right? I really don't think you have to do a ton. You don't have to hire a pro. I'm not talking about the editing like side. I'm talking about... The content? Well, I'm talking about not just the content, but forget the editing. Editing is taking what you have and cutting it up so it, it sort of looks right on there. But I'm talking about, like, you know, setting up the lights, the camera, your lighting, what oh. you're going to say, how you present in the audio and everything. All of that, like that. has to be awesome. Okay, right. So but we it, agree and it on does, that. Yeah, it, but, it does, like, but it doesn't have to be super expensive and, and all those kinds of things. But yeah, it definitely has to be high quality. Like e even I know that I have to up my game with video. Websites with, have to be better. Video has to be better. Yeah. Like and, event landing pages have to be better. Oh, tons, tons. I'm still seeing, uh, I, I'm still seeing landing pages. I actually saw a landing page today that a client was like, this is the best landing page ever. And looking at the metrics, it is, Absolutely not a good landing page. Okay, so when you right? do an online event mm -hmm. and somebody is a participant in that event, mm -hmm. what is the difference in the outcome for an event that is very well run and up-leveled mm -hmm. compared to an event that is very poorly organized and poorly run and not up-leveled? That's easy. Uh, so the difference could be, and we're going to talk conversion rate for a second here, like opt-in rate. Uh the lesser run, lesser organized page that isn't converting great because they haven't put the time, effort, and you know, thought into it in the strategy is going to convert between 25 and maybe 30%. But let's maybe. say you have a five-day event. The poorly run, how, how fast do people like walk away if it's poorly run? And, and what is the difference between that and one that's well run? Uh, people will walk away, even if they signed up for it, people will walk away if they don't feel like it's a good event, if it's not what properly planned uh in day one day one gone okay they might some people might give it a day two but then after that it's it's a no-go right uh well-run event you can get people probably right to the end um five days i personally think is too long so i would do a three-day event with a fourth day as like a sales push but um on a three or four day event you can get people right to the end if you do it right you mentioned something earlier about a pendulum swing yeah i have a I have a theory about the pendulum swing, which is the pendulum swing is people chasing the new back and forth, what they think will work mm. because they will do, if the pendulum swings over to the one side and they do whatever that is on the one side and it doesn't work out well for them, when the pendulum sucks the move, they start to change, chase the pendulum Again. to do whatever is next, whether that is using AI or whether it's some other marketing tactic or strategy or a new platform. However, there are people, when the pendulum gets to a certain point, on one side or the other or anywhere in between, where they come across a strategy that they nail and they do very, very well, mm -hmm. and they do not carry on following the pendulum. Correct. Those people stay there and do that. And I've always believed that there are like hundreds of marketing strategies out there, but if you know how to do some of them well, you stick with what you know and you, you basically nail it. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't go, oh, well, I'm good at this, but this is the new shiny thing. So I'm going to go after that. Right. If you're good at list building, you do that. Right. If you're good at at growing your organics uh, through social media. Great. Or during on a specific app. What's the point of going? Oh, well, I think maybe um, I think Pinterest is dying. So I'm going to vacate Pinterest. Even though I had some success, I'm going to go after the next app. No, if you're good at it, you stay there, mm -hmm. right? You own it and you rule it. Absolutely. I, I, I'm i not an early adopter. I'm so not an early adopter. Like I didn't even jump on Clubhouse until like three months or no, two months after it started, whatever. I didn't jump on threads. I still have never been. Do you even go on threads anymore? I do. Really? Yes. Wow. Daily? I wouldn't say daily. When it came out, were you on it daily? No, I would say I'm. I look at it every couple of days. I haven't even looked at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking just... at what everybody else is doing. But here's the thing. I think it's quite possible that with thread threads coming out, there was another one called Post News. Mm -hmm. And with 
X marks the spot, dead bird. <laughs> but those three things, they're all very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Well, it's muddied the water now. Mm-hmm. Like, do are we even really interested in that method anymore? Are we are we interested in that medium? Okay, here's the novelty. It's 240 characters. Type in whatever's on your mind. Is that where that's what we want? No, I mean in my space, it's not effective marketing, but in other spaces, it's what people you know. It, it, a lot of people used what did you call it? Twitter dead X their bird X marks the spot dead bird. I don't okay, know, X marks X marks the spot dead bird. A lot of people use it to they used to use it to get their news. They used to get it to use it to get like bulletin updates on things that were happening. I used to use it to find out if um, you know. If I heard sirens outside the window, if like there was something going on, right? You could, because you could check police and stuff, but. I will not check the news on Twitter. No. And the simple fact is, is that I've, I've got an iPhone. So I would definitely just like check the news cycle that I have. Apple news. I can get various different, you know, news reports from all over the place. Not just from one channel, from multiple channels. Yeah. Okay. You can also get some news on Instagram or through Facebook if you really wanted to, but I stick with that. I could not stand anymore getting news off of Twitter because what comes along with that news is about 500 people who have an opinion on it that know nothing about what's going on. So even as something as simple as, oh, big car accident at the 401 and Don Valley Parkway. And the comments below will be like, like what? First of all, why does there need to be any commentary on it? And second of all, it's like, oh, it's probably some idiot doing such and such. Or, oh, look at the car that's in there. It's some douche that was doing this or that. Right? It's like... And then there's you, always a commentary. You, you want to get the news. Things, yeah. You want to get the news, but you don't want to get everybody else's opinion on the news. Do you know where I get some news? Where? You're not going to like it. Go ahead. It's TikTok. I, I will not touch it. I know. I'm not going near it. I know. I know. There's... Several accounts, some of them, like, you know, really um, well-trusted news sources Okay. where you can get some of that. But that's, I mean, like, we're going off topic talking about news. Yeah. But um, I I actually did want to bring up TikTok for a certain reason, and that was whether or not it's a good tool to use for, like, B2B. Well, I'm going to say no because I won't even touch it. And I'm not... And it's not because of the reason I won't touch it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, right now, you've got a lot of people talking about whether it is safe to use, Yes. right? And I would tend to say if there's a debate or an argument about that, then maybe it's best to stay away from it as far as like your kids or sort of falling into the, you know, constant scrolling or the sure. algorithm working, working on you sure. a bit. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't, personally for my own business, I don't see a value in doing anything on TikTok that is going to find me the people that I need or want to connect with. And to be perfectly honest, if I was advising a client, um, it's not that I would tell them to stay away from TikTok. I would tell them to use any medium where they feel most comfortable because that's where they're going to, for lack of a better word, do something authentic, right? If they're, if they're totally happy doing videos on YouTube and they can be their most authentic there, do that. And I'm going to disagree with you for only one reason. And that is you shouldn't be on the apps that make you feel comfortable. You need to be on the apps where your ideal client is already consuming their content. Well, I believe my ideal clients on LinkedIn. Sure. But my ideal client is like, if I love being on Pinterest, cause I love to scroll Pinterest right? Or put up whatever. But my ideal client isn't there, which I've identified through trial and error. They aren't there. I, even though I'm comfortable, I should not be posting there. I should be posting where my clients are, my potential clients, my potential customers. And you think your clients are on TikTok? Not me personally. Oh. Not me personally. I know where mine are. They're Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Yeah. But I, 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 I worked with a person who their ideal client is on TikTok. Right. I get, I get that part. Right. So, but I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that, but the question was, do you think it's, do you think it's useful for B2B? So B2B? No, no, no. Okay. B2C. B2C some. Okay. I mean, if that's that's good enough, if you're pushing product, 
for a specific demographic that is actually on TikTok, mm-hmm. then yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. But are you really going to be pushing product that's maybe meant for anybody over 50 on TikTok? Oh my gosh, there's a huge audience for that. There is a huge... You think there's a huge audience of people over 50 on TikTok? Absolutely. I disagree. Absolutely. I'd love for you to prove that one. Well, the majority of people, not the majority of people are, they're obviously between like 20 and 50 or 20, you know, that or 30 and 50 or something like that. I don't have the metrics in front of me and I don't know them by heart, but there is a massive swath of people that are in that age range. And then there are people in the older space in there. Okay. So there's two things here. I honestly believe that the percentage of people over 50 that are on TikTok is extremely low compared to everybody between 16 and 25. Number two. I believe the people that are over 50 that are on there probably still would be a much lower percentage of actually doing a purchase or a transaction through a social media app. You know you know, I'm fact-checking you right now. Right? You can fact-check all you like. Because you're not on the app. This podcast can go on for three hours while you do that. Okay, so fine. So a large majority of TikTokers are between the ages of 18 and 34, specifically 70% oh. are adult users or nearly three out of every four. Adult users does not mean over 50. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, those stats are from October, by the way. But okay. 70%. Yeah. I mean, from the age of 34 to 50, that other 30%, that could be a large swath of the 30%. I'd be, I'd be surprised if 10% is over 50. Hmm. Well, my demographic isn't people over 60, so I'm cool. Yeah. That's fine with me. Um, okay, so we, we actually talked about this a little bit before, um, and... This has to, I mean, we have to talk about this in terms of platforms, right? And and I'm, I want to talk about SaaS platforms because with inflation, I'm seeing this insane price raising happening across all SaaS platforms, right? And I'm, I mean, it's not necessarily insane. And at the time that we're doing this, it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday stuff happening. And that's fine. You can get discounts all over the place. But the services that you use the most, your, most, your ESP, your email marketing, uh, your landing page platforms, the platforms that you use to post your social media and things like that. Incrementally, in 2023, I saw a, I don't know, how much of a percentage? I can't even tell you, but I did see an increase in the cost of everything in terms of SaaS platforms. That's really impressive considering, like, did how much did the average wage go up in the U.S.? I don't think it did. Oh, really? And how many layoffs were in the tech sector? A lot. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, I know. How, how their expenses went down, but yet the cost of everything went up. I wonder where that money's going to. Well, definitely the CEOs and the C-suite. Or the shares. Or the shares. Or, yeah, absolutely. There's too many companies, and I can vouch for this, in Ontario or even in Canada specifically, and it's probably North America, where you come out of COVID and there's been this whole... Um, supply chain issue and obviously that caused price increases and then all of a sudden gets labeled as inflation and i want to know how this is actually possible that groceries can go up so high oh it's a load of crap right but nobody's you know the average person isn't getting paid that much more no actually the the amount of take-home pay that people are getting is actually less okay so you got these SaaS companies that like in tech, the amount of dollars that they can make per one individual is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you look at like a company like Facebook or anything, they laid off so many people. So the amount of dollars revenue they bring in per person has gone way up. There is no reason for other companies in the tech sector that have somewhat loosened or like softened or lowered the amount of people they have on board, right? And then say, well, inflation, it's got to go up. It's not it's a an commodity. Excuse. It's not a commodity. No, it's not a commodity. It's an so, excuse. You know, it's an excuse to, to pull out or pull more water out of the stone kind of thing. It's an excuse to squeeze. And the sad part is, is if all of them do it, then you don't have a choice. Agreed. Right? So one I saw that I found interesting was Elementor. Now, I'm glad that they have a sale because I like Elementor for building websites. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great product because mm-hmm. you can do a ton on Elementor Pro. I've built some landing pages on it too. Right. Not bad. So Elementor Pro is 50% off. Okay, how can they afford to offer it at 50% off? Volume. Well, sure, volume, but 
Sometimes you have to look at these sales and say, what is the true price that they can afford to sell? It's only for one year, right? It's yeah, it's it's only for one year, but what are they going to do next year? The price goes back to the original price. It's right there. No, what I'm saying is, what are they going to do when it comes around to Black Friday next year? 50% off again. I mean, if you get in the renewal cycle every year around this time, Uh, hey, guess what? But the but. And you and I have talked. To, you and I have had some experience with this. But you know what people are doing is they're offering. Hey, like, and just, I just had this happen happen on my active campaign account where um, I'm up for renewal. An active campaign said, "Hey, if you go from this plan to this plan and you do it yearly, you'll get this much savings and stuff like that." They're trying to encourage you at an earlier time to. Uh, pay your yearly fee and you will get X bonus or so on and so forth. Here's a trick, by the way, because um, I just can't, I just had to close a client's active campaign account. When I went to close it, they said, we'll give you 50% off for three months. I was like, oh, okay. And then when I said, no, I really want to close it. They're like, oh, well, you can do this, this, and this. And I mean, the offers, I didn't even know they existed, but there were some offers. Anyways. No, that's not even that's not even customer acquisition costs. No, it's not. That is the ability to, they can actually reduce their price that much and it would still be profitable for them. Mm-hmm. That's how you know things are too inflated. Yeah. Well, when uh, another example is when I had ClickFunnels, because I had the classic ClickFunnels and now they have 2.0. Well, I thought when I had classic ClickFunnels and they, and they brought out 2.0 that I would get access to it. Maybe for a couple extra bucks, but I thought I was going to get access. No, I didn't get access to anything. I'd have to like upgrade, like choose a different account and everything. And I was shocked at the price. So no, couldn't do it. It it was too much, but inflation is ridiculous. Um, I do think because the cost of living has gone up substantially across the board that certain people do need to raise their prices for certain things, but in terms of SaaS platforms, I think there's some gouging going on. Yeah, they also need to pay their people more so they can afford the price increases of everything. No kidding. It, but if, yeah, like you said, if one person does it, then everybody's doing it. And then it's pandemic, like it's wide. Everybody's doing it, which is kind of crazy. And I think that's kind of nuts. Did you participate in any events in 2023 that you really loved, that you could see yourself participating again in, in like 2024? Or can you anticipate the kind of events that you want to be part of in 2024? Did I participate in any? Um, I can't say that I participated full on in an online event entirely. But there were online events that caught my eye. Such as? Um, There were some things that Galloway was involved with. and there's various people that are in like the marketing side of things when some of the big hitters, the events that they were involved with, obviously they're very careful of what events they get involved with mm-hmm. and they're choosy. And the accessibility to those events, they're no joke. Like, yeah. I mean, some of them you do have to actually purchase to be involved, but there was so much value being offered on the other end that it just seemed worth it. Like if you wanted to see like a keynote by some a group of individuals that were were like as a panel group together that were really really strong, mm-hmm. really good speakers that had large audiences that brought value, it was worth it to spend invest your time and your money to go see it. Okay. Right. Even though it was an online event, um, I still think like having the right people in a summit or in a panel or in a series is still a good way to go because, you know, it's efficient. People can do it from home. Right. And if you have the technology and you have somebody that's running, that's organized, which I know you are, (laughs) but I'm not, I'm not setting you up. I'm not setting you up because you didn't do any of the events that I actually, I got involved with because Mm -hmm. the events that you do are are completely different genre than what I need need to see. Right. But I think some of them were so well done and they just had so much value. You could perceive the value before you even before you even went in it. And then obviously once you got through and you registered and you participated, everything just worked seamlessly. I have a question for you. What? You just said you could see the value, the perceived value just by looking at it. Why? 
because you knew who the people were. Okay. Right? They clearly, they clearly, like, they, for lack of, again, I'm going to push the niche thing. There was five individuals in an event, and all those individuals were niched in. It all made sense for them to be speaking at this one event. And it was worth the price to actually pay to actually see all those people online do their keynote in that one specific event on that one specific no, topic. No, but what, looking at it, what made you see it? Was it the name of the person and the title underneath of what they were going to talk about? Was it the name of the event? Was it the way the graphic looked? Was it, it the copy? It, okay, for me, I follow specific people. Mm -hmm. Like I will follow Scott Galloway, Seth Godin, Ron Tite. Mm -hmm. Okay. When I see those people, that obviously captures my attention. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, is some of them are very multi-talented. So it depends on what they're speaking on. Mm -hmm. Like if they're, they're speaking at a real estate symposium, I'm not really going to be involved in that one. But if they're talking about certain aspects of marketing that I'm involved with, podcasts right? So I think it's, it's interchangeable. There's, there's a niche component into the subject matter and then there's a niche component into the individuals. Okay. Right. But let's just say you saw something of people you do not follow. So it's not Scott Galloway or Seth Godin or who's, oh, Ron well, by, de by default, it's the actual subject matter. Okay, fair enough. Right? I was just curious because I want to know what made you, and for me, like pulled you in. If I see it, okay, I'm going to see these things show up on LinkedIn or Instagram because that's where I'm probably going to be looking. So if it's standout, if it's the production value of the ad, ah, there you go. right, is there and they can articulate it really, really quick and visually I can see mm -hmm. it, I'm going to inquire further. That's just the way it happens. Mm -hmm. I'm going to actually like, okay, now I'm going to look at the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read, oh, the link is here. Okay, I'm going to go check out that page. Lo and behold, I go to the page and the page has everything I need to know about that event to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Oh, and there's a system to that, you know. Right, you of, know course, that. Yeah. of course, yeah. there's a system to that, but... But if they've got it right and they're niched in and they're organized and they have everything sure. and it's seamless, it just makes it frictionless. You just hey, yes. this this is for me. Hello. This is where I'm gonna go. Yeah. Yeah. Frictionless is great. I take it a step actually not a step further than you. I take it, I guess, just out of volume differently than you because of just what I do. I have um, I have an email address that isn't public. Nobody knows about it. And I sign up to a bunch of events that aren't even in my niche all the time because they could potentially be in my client's niche. And then I look at and I dissect everything from the ad to the copy to the landing page and everything on it and all the different components to the email series that you get after you register and all the opportunities within and even the event. And I start to break all of those down and I start looking for components that are either elevating the techniques that I'm currently using or would want to use for myself or even my clients or things that are not working. And I identify each one of these things. It's, it's like a, it's a continuous learning process. But that's your thing. Totally. That's your specialty. So yeah, I, I totally get why you would do that. Absolutely. And, and in, in 2023, what worked was, um, was a couple of things. First of all, people still don't want to leave their homes and travel too far for conferences, although I saw that change a lot in Q3 and Q4. So a lot more people were starting to go to like in-person conferences. In yeah, but it depended on where they were too. 100%. Um, <laughs> 100%. But in 20, I, I anticipate that in 2024, in-person conferences are going to continue to see more people unless we have something that pulls people back. But there's a huge swath of people that love and adore online events because they do not have to get on a plane and go anywhere. So what we're seeing with in-person events is a hybrid. A lot of in-person events, and I'm working with a client in Maine who does a massive yearly event, and they added in, in 2022 and 2023, they added in an online portion, and they saw a huge amount of sales there, right? So, and that's gonna continue. Even though everybody could come and be in person in Maine and be part of this conference, they're going to continue to do this online component because it, one, it opens up the gates to people who don't want to travel, won't travel, can't travel, whatever, but also don't want to, you know, they, they just want to watch everything. It's great. Yeah, but I totally get that. And I think if I was to put a word to it, I'd call it like the raving fan theory. So you have these 
all year round you can do these online events and everything like that and and you can capture attention you can retain attention but there are in the large quantity of people that would probably be involved in your online event there are probably several hundred maybe thousands that are raving fans those people are going to show up to the live event those people are actually going to want to see you face to face they want to actually be there when you got up on stage to actually talk or be in an event that you're orchestrating live. So I think it's the raving fans that show up to those things. Even though there's fewer of them, they're still very popular. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I get the pleasure of speaking at an in-person event in the beginning of 2024, and I'm hoping some raving fans will show up there as well. But I, I'd have to say I don't see as many people organizing just events that are standalone. There's some, there's like, some mainstays like oh, okay. like the ones that are like what are the ones that are in in the tech industry like is it well, decoded there's, or there's pod south Fest. by southwest or yeah south like by southwest there's, there's, okay those those ones are annual right that's yeah. a thing that's a pilgrimage practically yeah like, right yeah podfest is a pilgrimage but yeah. i think i think the in-person events are basically like corporate run most of the time it's like okay we're going to have this group of people show up in this industry or all the people in our company show up to this one event. We'll have these speakers here. Yes. Yes. Right. It's not really outside sales or anything like that. Like is Tony Robbins doing as many live events now as he was before? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. But I will tell you what is happening within those events that has changed a lot. They are way more complex. So yeah, the, the right. degrees like, Whereas we would have like in-person and online and stuff. Now the degrees of um, how many VIP or all access passes have increased. Multi-level. Multi. Yeah. There's so many bump offers, upsells, downsells. They're all over the place. It yeah, is. Yeah. They're not just trying to sell no. one, a one item at the end. They're, Absolutely not. They're selling the whole time. I've been talking about this for years and maybe people caught on. Haha. But I'm kidding. But that you have to find people where they are and you have to find the thing that they want at the moment that they need it. Um, and I always said that this was like filling all the holes and closing all the gaps, right? And I, you do that by making sure that people don't leak. People leak out of your events if they don't see something that they want, right? So even they registered for your summit for free, if they don't see something on the, on the welcome page or the Facebook group or the welcome email that catches them and keeps them, they're out. So you have to do stuff that's like, hey, we're going to have a, um, you know, online q a the night before we start or we're going to have a keynote speech at seven o'clock in the morning or whatever something that somebody wants and if you're niched in you know your audience enough to know what that is and you include it in your event so now how we have like all these different multiple layers and not just the straight out register for a three-day event you get some videos blah 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 and you're done like we're the the events that i'm crafting need multiple spreadsheets at this point because they're that complex. Well, makes your job easier. It makes it more fun. I, I mean, I love, well, I mean, for me, I, but I love having like 12 tabs on a spreadsheet, and, sure. but that's just me. One thing that is absolutely huge right now, and I saw this happening with people like Amy Porterfield, is collaborations. There's a lot of um, affiliate marketing and collaboration marketing happening with partners, where instead of just running an event by yourself, and I mean, we can hearken this back to the, like the Marie Forleo B school thing, which has been going on for like a decade that you're better off in groups and you're stronger with your, you know, people that are in your space and um, that can help you sell more, but there is a downside, right? Yeah, for sure. There's a downside. There's lots of downsides. Because there's too many, there's too many variables. Well, not too many variables. Actually there's variables, but they're serious ones. Mm -hmm. So yes, you want to call, you you want to collab with people that are in your niche, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're going to sail, you want all your ships pointing in the same direction. Mm -hmm. But that's not just all in it because you're dealing with you're dealing with people. So you bring that into the equation. Who are you dealing with? That becomes a variable, mm -hmm. right? So even though. You might press people to do collaborative things, and there are people that arrange events, or they might arrange summits, and they it's sort of collaborative, right? Mm -hmm. It is always best for people to know who they are with. Sorry, that's like a Godfather quote, right? I didn't know who I was with. <laughs> <laughs>
right? <laughs> but you have to know who's with. Like, you're going to collab with somebody and maybe partner up to do something, right? You really have to know that person well to know that they're going to, that they are capable of holding up their end of the line, that they are looking at this thing mm. the same way as you, right? Yeah, the niche thing is great, but there's so much stuff tacked on top of that. And then there's the people that create events and they wait until they decide to do an event to start finding speakers. That's the wrong time. Honestly, if you're thinking about doing events, you should have a list of people that are good to go already. And if you can't do that, then your due diligence has to be really, really good. Yeah, I don't see anybody, unless they have a spreadsheet frenzy like I do, having that list of people. But what I will say is that people can do the due diligence. Yes, they can do the due diligence. They but have it has to. to be, they has to be very, very serious. Completely. Like it can't be a joke. It can't be like, oh, I really like that person. Well, it gets even worse than that sometimes where it's like, Person A is going to host their very first summit and they decided that their best friend, who's not even in the same business, can be on their summit and be a speaker. Well, because it's going to make up the 24 speakers they make. They, they need. Ugh. I have to have 24 speakers. Oh, well, let's throw some filler in there. It's it not is. going to make sense, but... Nobody on your, nobody in your event should be filler at all. And if you have that, it, I mean, you're you're tempting fate in terms of... Disaster. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the question. Would you rather a person build their speakers or the people that they know can be involved in an event over time so that they're ready and good to go? Or would you rather a person chase after new speakers when they're ready to do an event? You should be you should be courting and collab and, and creating community with your potential speakers all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah, like, don't, don't go and open a spreadsheet and do it. Start being like, hey, you know what? I think this person's really cool. And the reason is, is that, and this happens a lot in collaborations, in relationships, in business, in personal life, somebody looks really, really cool on the outside. Everything looks pristine. But as soon as you start getting to know somebody, you start seeing the real thing, right? Um, and if you're going to do a summit with a bunch of speakers, you're going to be working with them or their assistants or their business or whatever it is for a considerable amount of time. You guys have to, everything has to align. Like you said, all your ships need to be pointed in the right direction. And the only way to know that is to go deeper than looking at their website and their Facebook account. No, you need, you need to follow them on social media. You need to be on their email list so you know exactly what they're outputting. Yes. And then you got to go another step deeper and you got to get on a call with them. Well, yes, you got to get on a call with them. But I honestly believe that beyond the call you have there has to yeah, be sort of like a vetting period like if i'm on somebody's email list for three months or i'm looking at their social media i'm gonna know exactly how much they actually put into promoting an event that they're in mm -hmm. and you can also see what the response is like yes. so if they've got ten thousand people on instagram and they put a post out for an event and they've got like eight hearts and two comments well and also yes that is that's a bad thing but the other thing is I watch I watch the video of the people that I want because there's some surprises that can come up. And I've had clients who have been like, yeah, I, I want, you know, Joe Schmo on my thing. And then they get on the interview with Joe Schmo and Joe Schmo talks like a piece of cardboard. Like they have that much depth, right? Or um, an example of one of my clients, when she got on the call with the person, the person had... Um, barking dogs and chirping birds. That's called professionalism. Yes. Right. So they're, they're like, I can't even use this interview because all you can hear is the barking dogs and the chirping birds. And I love dogs. But nobody should be afraid to hold people accountable to production value or anything else. No. Like, I mean, that's the deal. No. I, I asked you to be on the event. I want you to be involved. I want to collab with you. Here's the deal. If people start to like miss or don't hold her into the bargain, you have every reason to say, hey, look, you know what? You're not promoting. Or this doesn't fit within mm -hmm. what we were expecting or what we discussed. So it's not going to work. You have to be able to cut bait. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But you should be, that cut bait process should not happen when the summit is live. And that cut bait process should be happening because you've done your due diligence to build community, a relationship, 
you've gotten to know them, you've followed their social, and so on. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I mean, you're cutting bait before you even get to the first date. Yeah. Speaking of like people holding to their promises, how's your website going? It's a work in progress for the past ever. No, I I, I have a deadline. My deadline is um, mid January of 2024 to get it completed. So I oh, you said it publicly now, so everybody yeah. can hold you to it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely, this is like it's, I mean, it's been a thing for I get it. ever and ever and ever. Busy probably with a lot of clients and everything like that, big projects because for you and a lot of other people, it's like this is the time of year where all these projects come to a climax and finish oh. when it comes up to American Thanksgiving, and then after that, there's sort of like there's a period where. Events aren't going live, but people are already, they're already in the throes of planning what is going to happen in January and February, where they have to, where they have to actually do more lead generation. They have to generate sales to start off the new year strong. So even though it looks like a big pause, it's actually the planning stage and the setup stage and that things are already starting Mm -hmm. to, starting to come to, well, they're starting to firm up. Totally. It might look, externally right now, it might look like I'm on a pause, but I am not on a pause. I have a bunch of projects that are all coming to head, and I am taking, quote-unquote, two weeks off at Christmas, but those aren't weeks off. Those are pure website content creation, everything. Yeah, and you'll still probably have client work to do. I'm trying, well, I'm definitely... No, you'll still have clients that are that are going to be, like, executing in January, and you're already going to start working on their stuff probably before that. Yes, but I've put, but I have boundaries this year. I know you have boundaries. I'm this just year's saying, like, don't talk every, to me. Yeah, everybody can take like the week or the two weeks or whatever, but there's still, there's not a void. No, it's not happening. Not, no. It's not happening in a void. I have projects that are bridging Christmas and yeah, New Year's. Exactly. All the time. I have client projects that are bridging all the time. But my goal is, is that the week and a half before Christmas and the week between Christmas and New Year's is all about my website so that it's. It's done. I don't need the stress because I have to have it done before I go and speak in, at the end of January. I suggest you go into the new year with it done. Let's plan. I mean, there's going to be a couple of days. Well, it depends on the builder, right? So I'll have all the content. It depends on how fast the builder is. Right. I mean, it's Christmas. The builder, the person that's going to build it may not want to work over that time. Right. Fair enough. If you could make all the right changes for the upcoming year so that things went the way you wanted them to, what would you do to change and operate better? For myself? Yeah. I am, I think I'm impactful for the people that know me, but I feel I hold myself invisible. I think I have to extend myself outward and I need to promote obviously. And I need to, I need to reach out. I need to, I need to become more visible because I'm, I'm great with a network of word of mouth. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. When it comes to actually building my, my organic audience of people that I don't know fresh, mm-hmm. um, that's something that, that I need to really, really nail down. And I've always had this plan, a very efficient strategic plan of, okay, this is how I'm going to go about tackling this. This is exactly where I want to post. This is how I'm going my consistency plan is all there. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of executing it. And I'm also the type of person that feels I have to sort of have like a storyline, a long tail storyline of, Mm. of what comes after this, the one after the other, the after it's almost like a plot, like different chapter books all, all the way along when it comes to my social media. And that might be the thing that holds me up, but I think I'm there. I think I can do it. Right. So it's executing off that kind of thing. I want to, I want to change that. I want to be more outward bound. Deliberate. Deliberate. Do you think you can do it? I know I can do it. It's just a matter of doing it. Are you going to? Yes, I'm going to. All right. Public declarations. I like this. Well, that's, that's, that's my goal anyways. What's yours? What am I going to do differently? Change and do better? Yeah. Well, having the website done is going to be a 
huge milestone. I mean, I have a website. It's just not to the level or, or anything that I want it to be. So having the website done for the beginning of this year is going to feel tremendous. Um, one of the big goals that I had for 2024, I actually finished this year and it was unexpected, which was a new brand, like a new looking uh, logo, a new title and things like that. That's been, in, I mean, it was something that was talked about um, way back in like June or July, but it came to fruition in November. I'm really excited about that. So um, putting that brand forth in the new year is going to create some consistency in that and sort of that brand um, awareness that I talked about earlier and that I'm really excited about. Yeah, I've seen it and it's good. It's, it's awesome. I'm really, 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 really fortunate to work with somebody who has done a lot of uh, yes, logos we're and we're very lucky. Lucky that you actually connected with a very good graphic designer. Yes. Yeah, I was really, yeah. really lucky. Well, I've connected with the same person too, but yes, <laughs> you're, but I know I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and obviously, you know, in future we will give that person all the credit as you launch. Yes, I will definitely talk about that person more in more detail when everything is like settled. Sure, and 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 definitely give that person credit because they deserve it. Yeah. So, what's your prediction for next year? How do you think things are going to go? What do you think is going to happen next year? For myself? Eh, you can say whatever. You can say whether it's for yourself, for the business, whatever. Uh, predictions, I think for 2024, I'm going to, I'm going to start with personal ones. My prediction for myself in 2024 is that I'm finally going to get my stride in terms of like social media speaking. I want to do a lot more speaking. So I'm actually investing the time and effort in being on other people's podcasts and growing this one. So my prediction for 2024 is this podcast will grow month over month, which is absolutely a goal it's something i've never been able to like perfectly master it is growing i know i know i mean the numbers are nuts um and i didn't expect that not this early i mean we're only on episode 15 hi but i'm really excited about it so i i see the potential for that growth so i definitely want to see that um i still think that for 2024 for myself i will um, be switching a little bit of my direction i won't be doing as many summits but the summits that i will be doing will be of a level that i'm really excited about they're going to be deep they're going to be um they're going to have a lot of levels there'll be lots of spreadsheets but the outcome of those could be and they will be i know they will be like multi six figure just for the amount of planning that goes into them um, the type of clientele that i'm looking forward to working with and things doesn't mean i'm not going to work on some smaller summits because i will and smaller events and bundles and all those kinds of things but I definitely can see that happening. Um, and I'm increasing my knowledge for 2024 in terms of like marketing and strategy. So this is going to be a year of, like of absorbing more information for me. Within my space, my prediction is that uh, 2024 is going to be largely based on community building and creating um, relationships with people that you can trust Versus just the sort of like, uh, what do you call it? When you don't know somebody that well, like the acquaintance side of things. I think people really want to get to know somebody. And I think you've got to let the barriers down to make that happen. Good. Sounds like good. I think so. I'm kind of looking forward to it. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. This is a long episode, but it is fun. Yeah. We're yeah. Gonna... Oh, oh, last prediction. We're going to do more of these in 2024. You, oh, really? Well, you need to, I mean, you okay, only yeah, got a sticker. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, need fine. to profit that's that. That's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll do one every quarter. Absolutely. Every quarter. Every, like, 16, 15, 16 weeks, whatever. Okay. Deal. Absolutely. I mean, we'll, this is... We'll see what's what in March <laughs> or February. I'm not sure when that'll be. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get it sorted. We'll get you on the podcast again. Yeah, a lot this can is, change by then. A lot probably will change. This is so much fun. I really appreciate it. Uh, if anybody wants to get to know you better, where can they find you? You can find me at jasonwheeler.com or you can email me at jason at jasonwheeler.com. But you'll probably see it in the notes anyways. Absolutely. Everything will be on the show notes. I'll make sure it's there. And as always, you'll have a lot of fun editing and producing this podcast once we've stopped hitting record because that's one of the great things that you do for us. I will remove anything that didn't make sense. Everything made sense. It was all good. There's, no, there's not going to be any editing on this one. So 
Just to read us out, The Acquire Podcast is produced and edited by the great Jason Wheeler. And if you found this episode to be valuable, please think about subscribing and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks for being part of the community that I'm trying to build and grow more deeply. One of the ways that you can do that is follow me on social. All of my social platforms will be on the show notes, as well as consider being part of my Facebook group where I try and help people absolutely as much as I can. And the Acquire Podcast has been brought to you by the Oddphonic Podcast Network. Thanks so much.